Welcome, everybody. RCC Sunday. Uh, for everybody in the room, great to see your all's faces. For everybody at home, we are beaming straight to you in your living room, your kitchen, your office, wherever you are worshiping today. Um, just wanted to uh, get everybody seated and ready for worship. And we're going to start today with the psalm, which comes from the lectionary, which, if you guys don't know, is a pathway through the Bible over the course of three years. But today's psalm is Psalm 1. And if you would all stand with me, those of you who are in the room, and I want you guys to think about the words and read them inside to yourselves so that they stick as I read them out loud. Oh, the joys of those who do not follow the advice of the wicked or stand around with sinners or join in with mockers, but they delight in the law of the Lord, meditating on it day and night. They are like trees planted along the river bank, bearing fruit each season. Their leaves never, never wither, and they prosper in all they do. But not the wicked. They are like worthless chaff, scattered by the wind. They will be condemned at the time of judgment. Sinners will have no place among the godly, for the Lord watches over the path of the godly, but the path of the wicked leads to destruction. Dear Father God, thank you for this day. Thank you for bringing us all here together, whether it's in person or online. Father, we would want nothing more than to invite you into this space. Bring the Holy Spirit and fill this place so that it can fill our hearts. We think about the godly and the wicked. Help us to know which is which, not just in our heads, but from the soles of our feet to the tips of our fingers. Father, help us to always look for you, look toward you, not just today, but throughout all of our lives. Father, we come here to worship. We come here to thank for all that you do, for all that you are. Father, we are River City Church. We want to be the tree that's planted by the riverbank that bears fruit every season. Our leaves never wither. Father, this is our desire. This is what we want. This is what we wish. All this I pray in Jesus' name. preparing for praise of the people this week the idea of lament and intercession were heavy on me and I was reading about this idea of lament and what is inherently biblical about lamenting which leads us to intercession and there's something I want to read because it directly ties worship to prayers of the people it says, lamenting, it is a divinely given invitation to pour out our fears, 
frustrations, and sorrows for the purpose of helping us to renew our confidence in God. It's an invitation to trust. It's an invitation to pray and lament and invite God into the very thing, into the very pain and suffering that could be pushing us away. It's actually the thing that could be causing us to wanna turn our back away from God and it's choosing to turn towards God with the pain and with the suffering and with the chaos of the world and say, but I will choose to trust that you say you are who you say you are. And so we do it every week. We hold the tension of knowing that God is defender and knowing that God is worthy of all praise and all honor. And at the same time, we see the news and we do not turn a blind eye to what's happening around the world. And we lament with those who are lamenting. And we end in the same place every week. And that is that God is worthy of our trust. He is worthy of our greatest questions, our biggest fears, our biggest grief. Because he is sovereign and faithful. And because the grave is empty. It is the gift of salvation happening in this moment again and again and again. So with the same confidence or with the same questions and uncertainty that you are listening and participating into worship, I invite you into prayers of the people. I invite you to intercede with the heaviness of the world. And if you're paying attention to the news, our world is heavy. There is a lot and it is begging for the believers, for the family of God to step in and to begin to intercede and to say, we are so sorry, but also God has not turned a blind eye. I am so sorry. How can I serve you? How can I love you? But also just so you know, this isn't the end of the story. This darkness will not triumph. And that is where we posture ourselves before, before praise of the people this morning and every week. So we pray for the universal church, its members and its mission. We pray for the radical Islamic jihadists that have killed over 1,400 so far in Ethiopia just this year alone. And for the increased persecution over much of Africa, but are really around the world. We stand and we lament with our brothers and sisters in Christ who are facing life and death persecution daily, torment and torture. And we cry out to you, God, and we plead and we ask for your help. We ask for you to come. We ask for you to intervene. And we posture our hearts at this with that ask of saying, but God, we trust you. We trust you in the now and in the not yet. faith, we pray, Lord, have mercy and hear our prayer. We pray for the world and all those in it. We pray for the death and the war and the destruction that's happening between the Israelis and the Palestinians. So much
you make a way for peace? Would you make a way for peace where there doesn't seem to be possibly peace happening earthside? God, would you supernaturally intervene? Would you allow leaders to know that they are seen and they're heard and that their pain and their suffering on both sides is real and valid? Would you allow there to be conversations where conversations are needed? That you would place in their hearts a humility to listen, a humility that would walk them towards compromise. We pray for the school in Russia where there was a shooting and nine students were killed and 21 and injured and a bombing in Afghanistan at a girls' school where 85 were killed. In spirit, we grieve with things that are just not right. This is not how it's supposed to be. Suffering 
who is hurting, who is weary, who is grieving, who is struggling, alone in quiet places. May they know that they are safe in this space, that they are safe with you, that you are a safe place to present all of their cares and all of their worries and all of their uncertainties. May they know that you see them and that you love them and you want it all. And that we want them here. We wanna walk with them. And so, as you modeled for us all throughout Psalm, in lamenting, we end with the posture of proclaiming what is true about you, even when it doesn't feel like it, and even when it's hard to see it, which is you do indeed reign above it all. You are sovereign and good and faithful. You have defeated and conquered death, and there will be a day where every tongue confesses that you are Lord, and there will be a day where hope will always truly remain supreme on earth, both in heaven and earth. So God, we lift your name high and we cry out, and we ask that you would be our great helper and our great comforter in our brokenness. We thank you that you are worthy of our affection and our time and our worship and our praise. It's in your name we pray. Amen. So, a couple of quick things to start. Thankful for our friends that came to help us with worship today. Arvin, Kamsi, Flavia, we're killing it. Uh, thank you for being here. They've been uh, friends with our body for a, a few years now and been kind of coming in and out. One of the reasons they were here is because Becca was at the beach last night selfishly getting proposed to. So she's engaged. So that was how I did that. So maybe. Uh, Drew has been going. He's been preparing for a while. So anyway. Um, secondly, today, um, I did play in the golf tournament, and I did have a longer drive than any other male in the group. I was, however, beat by a female in the longest drive competition. And so I just want to say, amen. That's what I'm talking about. So, watched softball yesterday with my daughters, loved it. It's so good. So... Lastly, this is going to be my last kind of thing. We've been praying about our location for a while, and for some of you, it's confused you. Um, and so here's the reason why we've been praying about our location, because we have the opportunity to re-up a lease and possibly restructure it, but we wanted to make sure we gave room for any type of prayer, any type of thing that God could do. As soon as we started praying, Shannon was like, wait a second, we just got the table settled. So that's kind of what we're thinking is we're going to re-up, unless something crazy happens. So we're going to wrap it up by next week. And then we're going to make our decisions and move forward. And so speak now, not now, speak this week or forever hold your peace. Send me emails. Uh, if somebody's given you a church, it's local, maybe tell us about it. Um, I've heard that that happens, but I am thankful for what God has provided here. And it's a blessing to be in the city center for sure. So 
So we'll wrap it up next week. And today we're going to continue equipping the saints. And I'm going to share to you, so this is the second week in a row. It gets so practical that it is a little unnerving. Last week's passage was about submission and husbands and wives. It was one that most people don't preach about. It was one the lectionary actually doesn't even include. And that I don't typically hear preached in churches that are super honoring of it. I've heard that passage last week preached in churches that are not super honoring. And so caused a lot of damage actually in a lot of females' lives. And so this week I want to speak with the same type of frankness, inviting the Holy Spirit to really guide it, but it's also going to tap into some areas that are uncomfortable for us. And so um, topics that we've been sharing lately are really, they've become like... um, opportunities for growth. I told you last week I watched a documentary. Maybe somebody here watched it. Anybody? No? Okay. It was called Figuring It Out on the Hey Duke Trail, and it was just, I'm at the spot in my life where I enjoy watching someone else hike without a storyline. And I did it for two hours. I told you Sarah last week was like, you know you can hike. And I was like, I hear what you're saying, and what she was saying was you're fat and go hike. And I enjoy watching nature. I, I watch it all the time. And in this documentary, the guy was like, we, we as Americans and as Western cultureans form our lives in such a way that it's easy, it's easiest route possible. We actually spend our time making everything as easy and as efficient as possible because in struggle, we just don't enjoy that. But his point was, it's in the struggle where most, if not all of our growth that matters in our life happens, like a pandemic, right? Equipping the saints came out of a pandemic with my desire to see the people of God be more than just consumers in the church or traveling through a church maybe twice a month and to step into what it looks like to to be formed deeply, right? Like deeply formed by God, the kind of formation that really transforms whole families. That would be my hope and desire. And that came out of such an uncomfortable season, came out of a pandemic. Another area of immense growth for all of us is our families of origin our parents, our kids if we're older. These things, these things this week for me, I've recognized in almost all the conversations I've had with people who are being really honest. Most people really have issues with their families of origin, specifically parents. This is discouraging in a lot of ways because I'm a parent and I know that there are ways that my kids are going to need counseling in 20 years about something I did I didn't even know about, or things I did know about that they're going to need counseling about. Can I get an amen in the front row, Alethea? Yeah, right there. She's like, she's like, oh no, you want to go here? We may or may not have had a fight this morning. <laughs> Maybe. So I had a heaviness on Wednesday. I was meeting with Mariah, and I couldn't, I couldn't label what the heaviness was about, but it was the kind of heaviness that's not normal to, to my, my week. Um, and I felt like while I was talking with Mariah, God had, was kind of sharing with me, uh, you're reading a passage from Ephesians that's about honoring your parents and parents not exasperating your kids. And there's a heaviness because all of the conversations you've been having recently are about people talking about their kids or their parents. And I had had maybe four or five conversations this week about people recognizing the unhealth that has settled in and just became a part of the norm of their families of origin, which is interesting to me that that's a common thing. You don't hear all the time about these kids that just love their parents, right? Like, why is that such a thing that almost all of us have issue with our families of origin? 
It's different with husbands and wife like last week because you're with each other and you kind of have to work on it. But with families of origin or parents that we don't agree with, we can distance ourselves. And so you, that's why Thanksgiving is hard, right? Like that's why Christmas is hard because now you're no longer distanced and you're dealing with whatever that is. These are the opportunities for God to do some of the strongest formation, some of the strongest formation in our lives. And so don't hear me say this today. It's not good for you to put on a plastic face in either your marriage or your families of origin and pretend like it's fine. That's not what's being asked. It's about reality. It's about where is the presence of Jesus in what's happening. If you're discouraged about your family, your mom, your dad, if you're discouraged and you don't feel like they see you, where is the invitation for you in that? And how important would that be to allow God into that space without feeling like you have to fix it all because you can't, Children of parents, you can't fix it all, right? Without feeling like it'll never be fine because it might, giving space into a conversation with Jesus led by the Holy Spirit, that there could possibly be healing in your family. I desire that for my family of origin. Some of my family of origins in this room. How awkward is that? It's good, it's awkward, but that's all of us, right? Like, if the opportunities for formation are not just in the things we value and like, but they're in the things that are uncomfortable, or wildernesses, if you're the children of Israel, being called out into the wilderness, so you hear a voice of one calling from the wilderness. Does that just mean God loves me? Or is he saying, no, come visit me in the wilderness where I'm going to form you? He forms us in the places we don't necessarily want to be. That's the wilderness. That's the children of Israel. They, at one point, say, I want to go back to slavery. It's better there. It's not better there. But when we start dealing with our true stuff, it's better in slavery. That's how drug addiction is still a thing. That's Egypt today. Drug addiction, uh, Netflix, pornography. These are escapes into not realities that are just better than dealing with our own stuff. And a lot of our own stuff starts right in our family fortune. Can I get an amen? amen. All right, so here we go. I'm gonna pray today that you would not feel overwhelmed and burdened to the point of heaviness that's unmanageable, but that you would sense an invitation. That would be my, if I've, if I've learned anything in a year and a half of a pandemic, is that Jesus is never trying to overburden me with my own stuff to fix, but always inviting me into a space. I didn't see, it's like a circle that has a spot in. I didn't see that spot in. I couldn't have imagined that it could have started there. And that's my desire today is, is it possible for there to be a starting route for people who are broken and families who are broken. So I'm gonna read you Ephesians 6, one through nine. You're gonna follow along. It's gonna be great. Children, <laughs> obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother. My mom has said that a thousand times to me. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Bond servants, obey your earthly masters with fear and trembling, with a sincere heart as you would Christ, not by the way of eye service as people pleasers, but as bond servants of Christ doing the will of God from the heart, rendering service with a good will as to the Lord and not to man, knowing that whatever good anyone does, this he will receive back from the Lord, 
Whatever he, whether he is a bondservant or free, masters do the same to them. And stop your threatening, knowing that he who is both their master and yours in heaven, and that there is no partiality with him. Okay. So I'm going to start by readjusting my microphone, because it's overlapped. What I'm not going to get into today, I'm not going to spend this service talking about the bond-servant-slave relationship in this passage, but I just want to give you some backdrop. In this culture, there was roughly 60 million slaves, roughly one-third of the population in this Roman culture, because the Roman citizens felt that they were above any labor. So for any labor to be done, you would have to require your servant to do this. So I'm not going to spend a ton of time talking about it. But again, as in last week, Jesus speaks into culture where it is. So this culture, of course, they're working towards the, the abolishing slavery. And we see that is a must in this culture. This was the environment and this was the norm. So what they had to do was normalize it by speaking to those that hold the power and bringing the power down to the slave. Each have equal rights. It's about equality. It's about if you have slaves, which none of us do, they are seen just like you in the eyes of God. And then they had transposed that onto marriage to those who hold the power last week, which would have been the male. And the society had the power to literally kill or imprison their wives and now here to parents and children where the parents have specifically the father have supreme power or ultimate authority and so the overlay from these last two weeks is this getting so practical but it's speaking to the people in power what are you doing with the power that you have bosses how do we relate to this I'm a pastor of a church. There's a certain level of authority I have. How am I leveraging that for the kingdom? Does it look like Christ? Am I dominating people to build a church that's so big that I have a reputation, right? The things we see right now, the brokenness we see within the church, how is power being abused? It's not our job to say, don't be the church anymore. The church is bad. It's our job to say, that's not what Christ looks like in authority, because he's leveling, he's leveling, and here the best he could do in this culture was to say to the slave owner and to the males in this society, everyone is equal in the eyes of God. Very important, okay? So in five and six, Paul focuses on the importance of relationship as crucial structures in the life of the Ephesian culture. And I wanna give you some backdrop here, but I wanna read you this into you right quote about our displeasure with the family of origin and just family structure right now because for most of us, a lot of those environments are enslaving or even oppressive or the ones we came from are. And in this culture, marriage was not celebrated. Family was not celebrated. It was common for the male to travel all throughout the city and have multiple partners, if you will. And so there were children everywhere and so children were less than. And so I wanna read you this quote by N.T. Wright as we get in. We shouldn't make the mistake of thinking that because some families get it horribly wrong, it isn't possible to get it right, at least some of the time. Just because the garden grows weeds, we shouldn't pave it over with concrete. Just because there are oppressive families, there's no reason to dismiss family life altogether. On the contrary, the reason the family can become a place of fear and bondage is because it is designed as a place of love, security, affirmation, and new energy. 
The worst is the corruption of the best. That makes so much sense to me. Why do we care so deeply about this? Because the worst is the corruption of the best. As with marriage, so with family and attitudes to work, both from employer to employee. Are we so sure that we in the modern world have got it right, that we are in the position to turn around and tell Paul he's got it wrong? That's a gut punch and a good one. Context for kids in this culture. I just want to give you three things. If you are a kid in Roman culture, there is something called patria potastos, and I think I said that wrong, but it, what it means is absolute power, and literally this is what can happen if you are the male or the father. You get to decide what your children do forever. That means that even if they are raised out of your house and now operating as a prime person in culture, that you still get to decide for them until you die what happens with them. They are basically at your pleasure. You actually also have the power to kill them if you'd like and not be punished for it. This was a common thing in Roman culture. Number two is called child exposure, which in this culture now, that is not something you ever want to say in a church. But in this scenario, when a baby was born, they would put it before the father. The father would walk up. If the father knelt down and picked up the baby and grabbed it, the baby was accepted and received and kept. If the father turned the back and walked away, they had right to actually kill the baby or throw the baby out. Let me read you a quote <laughs> Am I good? Am I good? Amen? Awesome. Let me read you a quote from an ex excerpt of this time. So this is a letter from Hilarion to his wife, but this is just common language. Notice it. Here's a letter dated from 1 BC from a man called Hilarion to his wife. He has gone to Alexandria and he writes home on domestic affairs. Here's greetings, heartiest greetings. It's good. It's all good. Heartiest greetings to you and my dear Boreas and Apollinarian. Know that we are still even now in Alexandria. Do not worry if when all others return, I remain in Alexandria. This is encouraging. I beg and beseech you and of you to take care of the little child. And as soon as we receive wages, I will send them to you. If good luck to you, you bear offspring. If it's a male, let it live. If it's a female, expose it. Actually, it says to kill it. Um, that didn't translate there. Um, you told Aphrodite, do not forget me. How can I forget you? I beg, I beg you, therefore, not to worry. So that's how small of an, just in the midst of an encouraging letter to your family. Like, if you have a boy, let's celebrate. If you have a girl, let's kill it. Like, for Roman kids in this culture, they were definitely not celebrated, Right? And then the third thing, if in this culture you were born with any type of deformity, sickness, they would literally drown the baby. It's a common practice. This is the most discouraging, most awful message I've ever preached. So this is the culture that Paul is speaking into a church about how to rewire the structures of the society. How do you do that? Paul's words would have been revolutionary. Again, for us, this is stepping backwards, but for him, he's going so far in advance, it's troublesome. He's moving so far ahead that he's actually speaking to massive injustices that we already accepted, but we gotta see how he does this, right? So women and children are important in our culture, 
and they're getting more important in our culture. In their culture, they were less than. They were not considered equal. He is saying to them, this is mutual. And it's starkingly surprising that he addresses actual children as if to say, kids, you have a place in this house. Like you don't, you feel that rejection could possibly be there. And I don't even understand the kind of complexity that could work into someone's childhood and that type of magnitude. But then to hear Paul say to them, you actually have a home here, addressing them as body members in the family of God and not putting them in a room over there or putting them in Six Flags over church over there and acting like we just want to keep them busy. They need to be in here, right? They, Paul knew they needed to see what it's like to intercede and pray for the people, to worship from their hearts. They needed to see parents involved, like they're a part of the body. And Paul is saying to them, you matter. This is huge. You're not just to be rejected. You're not second class. A Roman child felt that way. What kind of complexities did that build into someone through their whole life and then to hear from someone in the place that God had designed you actually have equal rights here. You actually are as important as any adult here. Like you're not a bothersome thing. I love hearing baby cries in here. I've heard people say before, you need to get, you need to fix like the baby problem. I was like, well, the what? That's not a problem, that's a blessing. The babies are a blessing. We're hearing babies cry, that's good. Cry baby. <laughs> that's a good thing. Babies, kids, we should be celebrating them at every turn right? Life comes quick. It gets you. I'm going to move on. <laughs> the gospel has an effect. If you ever want to be like, you know what? If you're in the process of deconstructing or you have recently walked into that and you've been deconstructing some real things that need to be deconstructed and you're trying to kind of reconstruct where the value is, if you need a little bit of a faith push, look at what Jesus has done for women and children in history. Like if you want to pretend that he hasn't, then that's not the gospel. But if you want something to build what he's wanting to do continually, all you have to do is look in the text. What did, what did he do for women and children when, when everyone else said that they were less than? This is the message of Jesus. He fights for those who are oppressed. He still is and he's inviting us, right? He doesn't want us to dominate. That's never been his goal, right? And that's so in us to dominate to dominate. We even feel like at times that's the goal, to dominate, to win, to win. Jesus is saying, listen, like this is not about that. This is gonna be troublesome for you, right? I'm calling you to things like silence and solitude and Sabbath and rest, and you're just busy because you know better than me. You know better than Jesus. Just be busier because you'll be worth more if you're busier, right? No, that's stupid. Nobody's worth more when they're busy. Like I said three weeks ago, if I talk to you and you're like, I've been busy, I'm like, you're not more important than anybody else in here. You, you don't gotta be that busy. Why do you gotta be that busy? Really evaluate that question. Why do you have to be that busy? There's no good answer. Well, I need to for my job. We don't wanna go there. I don't wanna go there today. Well, I have to because of this. Bottom line is, We've decided our busyness is more important than Jesus. And if he's calling us as a voice in the wilderness to the literal wilderness saying, come and rest with me. And we're like, no, 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 no. I got to get ahead. We're telling Jesus that we know better than him. This has nothing to do with this message today. <laughs> but I'm so thankful for my guys group. 
and we're hoping this spreads to the whole church in the next few years. We've been practicing Sabbath for two months with 12, 11 guys, and I've not, I've not experienced more change in my entire Christian life than taking seriously the command in the Old Testament and New to practice Sabbath and to stop. I have not experienced more growth. I've been to conferences. I've been to Morningstar. I've been to Catholic cathedrals in Rome. Nothing has compared to when I took him for his word and he said, slow down and stop. I'm telling you, he's rewiring the heart of the church all over. And we can decide to still build empire or walk with Jesus. I want to walk with Jesus, and I want you to walk with Jesus. To be formed spiritually in the depths, not just in the things we like about Christianity, but in the things that actually form us. If you're too busy, your invitation is there. Go at the pace of Jesus. Do you know better? You don't, right? If you've never expressed your thankfulness to Jesus with your words out of your mouth, express it. I'm telling you, doxology. I am so far away from this. Let's just jump into the next part. It's the most troublesome. Children, obey your parents. Amen? Can't avoid this part of this. This is the most triggering part for all of us. Children, obey. Just the word obey. Everybody say obey. obey. My gosh. What is this, the thought police? This 1984, George Orwell? Like, what are we doing? What's being done here? Why is this being said? So I just want to speak to you from this. If I had anything that came to me, it was that every person in here has one thing in common. We're all children. Not all of us are parents. Every person in here is a child, Ren. Children, kid. Every one of us. So across the board, there are certain things that we have either loved or not loved from what had happened with our families, our parents, and there's a desire for what we know should have been. And that's all of us. That's good parents, bad parents. And I think that's why we're so protective of kids. And I had this conversation with, we had a really good conversation this week. I just want to highlight it. Why do we care so much about young kids? Kids still in the space of bewilderment and excitement and vulnerability because there's no cost. Let's just be vulnerable. Like, yeah, like I can talk about what's really inside because I'm just four years old. Why are we so protective of kids? Because we valued that space so much and wanted it so much longer and then life hits us and all of the woundedness and hurt comes built around those things and not feeling like that might have happened. So we have this heart for kids, right? Because we know how important it is to feel like you have space to do that, to be a kid, to mess up, to not get in trouble. But here it gives four things that parents do, okay? So I want to read this to you really quickly. Parents, raise your kids up. Now, I've, I'm sure most of you have also heard this when you've done something stupid. If your parents were in the church, I heard this growing up, um, more from my mom than my dad, so props to you. Thank you. Here's, here's what God intended for parents to do for kids. Instruct, correct, advise, encourage. Here's what I think happens. Remove the last two and the first one. <laughs> What's that second word? I think we lean mostly into that because kids kind of bother our rhythm. 
And so most of us have issues with our parents mainly because of that one. And we forget that if there is a basis of number four, what's number four? All that other stuff is super helpful, right? Like if there's a, a base level environment built from our parents that you know you are valuable and that God has created you intricately and beautifully and that you know there are things about you that your parents have noted and been able to say to you, Mariah, you're so creative. Like, I'm not your parent, but imagine that they've said that before. Like everybody in here, those other things, right? Instruction, why would we not want instruction from that? So you start to see at the heart of what God was doing in parents, the heart of what has been missed. And it's also a clear invitation to any of us who like me, when I correct my kids, can lean way too much into the correcting. And I actually think it's mainly selfishness. And some of it is, you, need to, you guys just need to be corrected, I think, at times. But I definitely don't lean as much into encouragement because I fear that they might not take seriously the correction. So it's just production-based parenting. But what if it's identity-based parenting where your compliments look more like not what they did right? Like my daughter yesterday had a home run in a championship game. That doesn't transfer to a 25-year-old Nava though. It doesn't. But the way that she saw her teacher, that decide, her teacher from her school came to her game. I was like almost in tears about it. And the way that she saw her teacher and what happened there, that kinship of feeling supported and knowing how valuable that was and running over to her, that, now that is celebratable, the value in that. Now it's cool that she had a home run and I'm probably gonna say that other times as well. <laughs> like it's cool for me to brag on how driven Alethea is because she literally worked her way into a class going into fifth grade that she wasn't on track because she figured out a way to have build a relationship with the teacher and work hard and she's an extremely hard worker that's one thing that I think is great but also she's brilliant with her humor like these things I can that that wouldn't be enough to just say you're a hard worker good job right but to see in our kids the truth about who they are we all want that we wanted it that's why we're mad that's why half of you are still mad my daddy didn't do that my mom still doesn't do that we still have issues literal issues that are large I'm 40 something years old thankfully it's only with my mom and not my dad amen <laughs> all right we're gonna move on so kids okay kids here's what you're to do here's what you're to do this is awful can you pull up the kids one listen to obey honor who just threw up in their mouth don't don't tell me i can speak from example when just yesterday talking to noah again, like an idiot, about his game that he had in the morning, right? And I wanted to correct. And because I went in with that, he, I could tell he shifted listening. He was like, whatever, Dad. Whatever, you're not supposed to talk to me. Like, can I just get really unhealthy about this? Like, I'm an unhealthy sports dad. I am making peace with this because I need to grow. But there's a time now, because of my pattern of speaking about what can be corrected, where he literally checks out. I'm talking to nothing. And I still want to say it because I got to say it. 
but there's no listening there, right? But the listening isn't there because the encouragement isn't the base. Obeying, Lathan, you need to obey us. Yes, exactly. Honoring, I can speak from a parent to have your children's, children's? To have your children honor you feels so valuable if it's healthy. The kind of honoring that's like, you know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna protect my dad's reputation and my kids are gonna wanna, you know, speak lovingly about me and Sarah. These things are important, right? Calvin, and I'd never quote Calvin, so you just need to know that, but I am today. Children are to be cherished. This is a Calvin quote. Thank you. What are the ways, listen to me, none of y'all are placing a baby at your husband's feet. None of y'all are operating in supreme male authority taking lives, but there are ways we do this. There are ways when we're parenting, we tell our kids that they are not valuable. And I can, sh- I can tell you one real quick, simple one that everyone in here can relate to. Lathy, talk to me real quick. Don't talk to me. Does anybody relate to this? How many people do you see with their kids present, not paying attention to them at all. There are ways in which we kill our kids that have just the kind of same effect. How many of us are so busy with our job that we have no time with our kids? I mean, this is American culture. It is a value to work too hard right? I told you, I was listening to a podcast to the guy who wrote Subversive Sabbath, and he realized that in his church, he could commit nine of the, he could break nine of the 10 commandments, be put in jail or fired, but if he were to break, don't forsake the Sabbath, he would get a raise. That's in a church, in a culture that says work harder than you actually can, to achieve more than you actually can, to be emptier than you actually are. How do we relate to what Paul is saying, do we even have space to encourage our kids, right? Like, that's an invitation. That's a clear invitation. Do we even have space to listen to our parents? That's an invitation. That's a clear invitation. And so, three ways we do injustice to our kids, really quickly. Sometimes customs change, right? Sometimes generations change. And just because it was good and awesome in your generation does not mean your kids need to do it. You need to evaluate those structures from 1968 or 1998 that were effective and good, that produced good things, and see if they're actually right. Number two, too much control. Check most conviction for me in this whole preparation, too much control, because what happens when I operate in too much control is I'm telling my kids, and I actually think I thought of Sarah and Jen in this, because I think both of them I've learned from them in this. And what happens when you have too much control is you teach your kids that you don't trust them and that they're not able to make mistakes and grow. When I want to protect them from any possible thing that could harm them, and so Sarah and Jen let their kids ride around town on their bikes, even when they're like three years old. Like she's, Sarah's like, yeah, Lathy can ride wherever she wants. She's, she's a big girl now. It's like she's not even able to talk. <laughs> I've learned, that's, that's a, I've embellished, I've learned. Like that, we have to give our kids opportunities to fail, right? If you're over, 
And some of y'all are like, I don't even have kids. Can you shut up? <laughs> Think of for yourself, right? Did you value the spaces where you were trusted? That's important. Third thing, last thing, the duty of encouragement. I can't say this any stronger. If we're not willing to encourage our kids for things that are real, or other people's kids, or kids at this church, or kids are in your life, we're doing it wrong, right? I want to read you this quote. I think this is my last quote. The season of quotes has evidently continued past the seven years. <laughs> this is a good one, though. The 18th century artist Benjamin West tells how he became a painter. I literally started crying reading this. I want to start crying now, but I can't. One day, his mother went out, leaving him in charge of his little sister, Sally. In his mother's absence, he discovered some bottles of colored ink and began to paint Sally's portrait. In doing so, he made a considerable mess of things with ink blots everywhere. His mother came back, saw the mess, but she said nothing. She picked up the piece of paper, saw the drawing, and said, Why? It's Sally. And she stopped and kissed him. Afterwards, Benjamin West always used to say, My mother's kiss made me a painter. I am going to start crying now. That is amazing. The power of seeing how to love your kids well, give them grace, right? So let's get really practical. I'll say this. The book of Ephesians tells us that if Christ is not the centerpiece and is not in proximity to whatever we're doing, it's not going to be possible to do any of this. Right, this is why people transition from partner to partner to partner to partner in life because if marriage just is about me getting what I want, then why would not I just go get another marriage, you know? Like, or another family, or just never talk to my kids or parents again. But Christ as the centerpiece gives us this ability to involve a f- just forever help into what we don't even know how to make sense of. So I just want to just, as much as I can make this point, for the rest of my time as a pastor, however long God graces me to do this, your proximity to Jesus and your submission to him, and yes, I'm using the word submission, if that's not there, none of it's possible. Then it's just your best effort doing this. And we're good at being Christians, being Christian pastors, being Christian ministry leaders, being Christian worship leaders, without being submitted to Jesus. We actually just asked him to submit what we think he should do which is what all the disciples did. No, but we know the way you should do it. He's like, no, you don't. You don't even get it. You're about to deny me. When I don't do what you think I should do, you're gonna deny me. No, I'm not. Yes, you are. Oh yeah, you're also gonna be the rock of the church. I'm gonna build this rock upon you. But there's this entry for Peter where he has to realize, he has to go through this to build trust. Could Jesus have said to Peter, day one, you're gonna, I'm gonna build a rock on you. Peter had been like, yeah, you are. Dude, I know that. No, he couldn't have told him then. He could only give him this much. He gave him enough to enter. And then he kept him, kept him with him, the walk. He had to walk. It wasn't just a meet me here, you're gonna start the church. It was a fail, pick up. Jesus cooking breakfast for him after he denied him. It was, I'm still here, you're still here, I'm still here. Am I, is this okay? It's okay, walk with me. It's a walk, it's a walk, it's a walk. It's not what we think though, right? So here's your, here's your entry route. Number one, everybody say number one, repent. (laughs) I love using that word in church now. Repentance is such a beautiful thing for me. I pray that for each of you that hear this, the word repentance would be reformed into a beautiful door. Like just picture the most beautiful door you've ever pictured. 
and then know that on the other side of that is just this loving, restorative, not angry, wasn't even angry before, just loving embrace of a father that's like, the word repentance is because you finally get to understand you're broken and I get to heal you. It's just good. So repent. If you are still mean to your kids, repent. If you are still smarter than your parents, and most of us are, you know, just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> got to do it. I got to do it. <laughs> repent. Here's your simple entry, and then we're going to be done. You can pull this up. Remember these? Now go back one. Remember these? This, was the, this is the way for parents. So if you're a parent in here, this is the way. But I want to give you a clear in route, and so you don't have to be perfect all at once. Your in route this week is next one. It's just that. Just a window into becoming who God wants you to become as a parent. Just that. Find something that's deeper than what they've done. Just do that. Now for kids. Next one. Remember this? Listen to, obey, and honor. Your entry route this week, and, and I'm challenging myself to this as well. It's just this. You can go to this. Just that. What if you just did that? Hey, what are you doing? Nothing. What's going on? And then just listen. How simple is that? Can God restore broken families? I know that he can, but I'm discouraged to see if it can happen. So I know I have to be close to Jesus and own my own. Say sorry. And I've got to start encouraging Aletheia and Nava and Noah even more than I do. And I've got to listen to my mom and dad and all the other intricate layers of whatever it is in everybody's family. But there's hope. And it's hopeful when the church doesn't put on plastic faces and pretend like it. That's not hopeful at all. That's the church I want to run from. But it's hopeful when people in relationships start being honest and being like, here's, what I've, here's how I've been negatively infecting my family. I want to take ownership. It's hopeful when you see a humble parent. It's hopeful when you see kids start to be encouraged. When you encourage kids, it literally changes them. They're still very formable. Like if, if you tell them true things that are really encouraging about who they are in Christ even, it changes them. If you correct only, it does not change them. It changes your relationship with them. That was mic drop a little bit there. All right. All right, so if you will stand with me. This is the hardest thing I think I want to say. And this is the part that's most painful for most of us. Some of you know that your parents owe you a debt. Some of your parents owe you something you didn't get. I can already look in most of your faces and know that you can already label what that is. It's not our job to collect the debt. It's our job to approach Jesus with the debt owed us, ask him for healing, and then to be able to see them the way that he sees them. This does not make whatever happened to you right because there's some really wrong things that happened in here. But if you carry the weight of collecting a debt, it's probably not going to be paid. It's just going to hurt you. So Jesus, we present to you the debts owed us from our parents that we've been trying to collect and we don't collect them by asking for payment. We collect them through bitterness and resentment. That's how we collect that debt. Bitterness and resentment. So now we give that back to you, Jesus. 
And we ask for an opportunity to see it grow. We pray for healing. Ben, you guys can go ahead and come up. Whoever's coming up for toxicology. If you happen to be someone who is carrying the weight of this kind of content because it's just really too close to home right now and you would like to receive prayer, I just want to pray. I want to give some space in here for the body to pray for the body. So this is awkward. I mean, but good. That's good. So if it is you and you would like prayer just for extra support from the Father, the Holy Spirit, if you just lift your hand. All right, so just look around real quick for the next few minutes. Um, lift them up high enough for people to see them. So you can walk towards people and pray for them, but you still have to be kind in terms of how you're like honoring with COVID regulations and stuff. So we have people around you. Walk towards them, pray for them for the next few moments. I'm going to lead in prayer. So up, up again, and then people can just go do that. And that's fine. So hands up again. People who don't have their hands up, don't be afraid. This is a good time. At, at this point, it would be when a person would walk towards. That would be the. That would be how you. Yeah. It is what it is. So, Lord, we present to you our sons and our daughters, and you love them. You're so much more for them than they even know right now that we ask for the minds and hearts to be able to receive your love, your cleansing Jesus love that's ever pursuing, ever faithful, never stopping, never ending. Let that be the base for this prayer of healing. And now we pray, God, for your supernatural healing touch to touch the relationships connected to these people who need help. We don't impose upon you our desires. We just say you are the God of the universe, the God of families. We are created in your image and we trust you. So do work in these scenarios, God. Break the hearts in a good way of your children to seek your face first and foremost and to submit. We thank you for every parent of every kid in here that you created them and blessed them in your image. We pray for restoration for each person not in here that's being prayed about right now, that they would sense who they are, that they would be filled by you, that they would be restored. And we pray for any debt that's hindering your sons and daughters in this room that they just are so upset about that they would be able to have a conversation with you and an entry point with you to receive healing from you so that they can move forward in life and live fully, vibrantly, abundantly. And we pray against any mask that anyone wants to put on to make it appear like things are great and that you would break our hearts towards vulnerability, that we would actually see true vulnerability in the church and that people that don't know you would see that vulnerability. They would see the truth about the people that follow you that we're broken and in need and desperate to get to your feet. We thank you for all of this. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. Love you guys. We're going to do a quick prayer for anybody going to camp. And then we're going to sing the doxology crazily. So anybody going to camp, Mariah, do you have any special notes for me?
Show me to pull them up. Counselors going to camp. Anyone in here going to this camp this year? Go ahead and come to the front. One camp. Yeah. So kids going to one camp. Blakey, that's you. Any of the counselors? We're just. You guys are just going to intercede for us real quick. Anybody else? Anybody else? You guys could just like reach your hands toward this group. Anybody that in that prayer that Bill was or like words feel like you're supposed to go, you can go ahead and come up too. We'll see what happens there. Yeah. <laughs> All right, y'all just Jesus, we thank you for one camp and what it represents. And we pray that it would just rewire and just establish hope and peace in our children and even these leaders just let it be a filling space for them an energizing space a reminder of who they are in you take away any type of thing that's going to make them perform just let them show up and be who they are and love people well pray for all the money needed that we would see it come in times 10 and have no issues with any of our other kids that are trying to go as well and I just pray that all of you would look at all these faces really quick look at all the faces up here Get one in your mind and heart and continue to pray even until camp's done. So thank you for each of us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, we're going to sing doxology super loud, okay? Birthday style doxology to close our service. All right, let's sing praise God. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise Him, all creatures here below. Praise Him above ye heavenly host. Praise Father, Son, from whom all blessings flow. Praise Him, all creatures here below. Praise Him above ye heavenly guys so much I realized I was just singing into this when it was on I feel horrified probably gonna eat a cookie get you an abide cookie it's honor systems four to 40 400 bucks um, love you I just want you to know you've been seen today and the presence of God is here and real but he goes with us and before us and so God I pray that you would be with us this week go before us 
In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Honor system. <laughs> Thank you again for joining us today, and please visit our website at rivercitysmyrna.com.